Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. It's uh, started off with a bang. It's um, been pretty exciting to see all the new listeners and subscribers to our podcast after the Simon Sinek uh, conversation, uh, a bit of optimism uh, that I had uh, recently with him. Welcome to all of our new listeners. There's one I want to give a quick shout out to Amani from Singapore. Uh, And she wrote on LinkedIn, my January 1st, 2022 me time walk was with Simon Sinek. Brilliant episode talking to Omar Brownson about gratitude. I couldn't choose a better podcast to start the new year. Love their guidance about practicing gratitude, finding the things we're grateful for in every decade we lived and being grateful for the specific moments in our lives to bring us joy, fulfillment, and a bit of optimism. It's been amazing to just really see how much uh, the practice of gratitude continues to resonate uh, and how these cards in particular, uh, in the focus of nature, help us look at gratitude in fresh ways. So speaking of which, what is this week's theme and what is the flower? So we are at card number 11 this week. It's the dog tooth violet representing curiosity. And for those who may not have the card in front of them, if we could just describe or if you could just describe what the illustration looks like, which uh, the artist Arlene Kim Suda spent 100 days illustrating 100 different different plants. Well, the first thing that I think is very striking about the illustration is just the way that the the leaves are just so open and expansive and they're spotted. So they're very kind of intriguing in that way. And then you follow it from the base all the way up and there's just a single uh, flower that is looking downward and you can really just see the pollen in the middle as it's looking down back at its leaves. Yeah, the the petals on this are almost like blown back. And it's like, okay, here we are, uh, open to uh, seeing things in a fresh way. Is there anything that you found about the dog tooth violet itself that was interesting? Yeah, it's it's been such a beautiful exploration looking into these plants every week. And this one, what's really striking is its namesake. So this is a plant that grows in the springtime. It was originally from Europe, but now it's all over North America. And it has a couple different names. And it's actually more akin to the lily than actually the violet. And one of its names is dogtooth violet. And another name is the trout lily. So the dogtooth violet actually comes from the bulb that lives, you know, begins at the leaf. And it looks like literally the tooth of a dog, the white bulb. And it's also called the trout lily because the leaves look like the fish. Hmm. So it's interesting how there's all these different names that are just inspired by how the plant looks. And it it, it is sort of a, it, it looks very top heavy. It's almost like, how does it actually, uh, how does the stem actually hold that flower up? It's It's such an interesting looking flower. And so I did a little research on curiosity as well. And it comes from Latin 
curiosus, careful, which is rooted in cura, which means care. And so it was an interesting, I didn't realize that curia, I always thought about it as like, oh, something that's interesting and how do I like learn more? But it really is about, or at least the etymology is about being careful or having care. And so then I, I had to look up curiosity killed the cat as well. <laughs> and so, um, and the earliest printed reference of this proverb was from 1598. Uh, and it was in a play, Every Man in His Humor, uh, written by the English playwright Ben Johnson. And the line uh, was, Helter Skelter, Hang Sorrow. Care will kill a cat, uptails all, and a louse for the hangman. And then Shakespeare, uh, a year later, included a similar quote in Much Ado About Nothing. And he said, What courage, man, what though care kill the cat, thou hast metal enough in thee to kill care. And so the original form of the proverb was care killed the cat. And in this instance, care was really being defined as worry or sorrow for others. And so it's interesting that curiosity was less about just sort of a fascination, but what does it mean to in some ways have empathy uh, for other people? And so this idea that almost empathy killed the cat, sort of a strange sort of like protective nature um, and warning to us. That gives a whole other feeling when you look at this plant. And what's interesting is uh, even though this uh, plant grows from a single stem, they grow in colonies. So it's almost like they care, they take care of each other, kind of like what we mm. talked about with the redwoods. And they grow in such huge clumps in the woodlands that you literally would think that there's multiple lilies coming out of it, but it's just one uh, stem, one flower, but they're just all mm. together. So it just, um, I love the idea of it being this caring community, curious and caring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and just what does it mean in some ways to be vulnerable, right? Like that's in, you know, it's like, hey, be careful about caring. And, you know, if you're not, you might get hurt. And what we've learned sort of over time is that um, by not caring has an effect on us too, Um and that that sort of decreases our empathy and that decreases our compassion and that's not good for us. And so actually being willing to kind of show up um, and be hurt maybe, uh, what is it? It's better to be, better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all, right? Well, one more interesting connection, Omar, is when I was reading about this uh, dog tooth violet, they actually always kind of, nod their head down with the flower. So mm -hmm. it almost looks like it's really heavy to be holding that flower. And, mm -hmm. and some people describe it as just this very humble flower in the way that it's like, just, you know, doesn't feel like it needs to be seen or known, but there's just so many of them in the forest. Um, and it's interesting because we do have another card. That's the, the violet representing humility. And this one is just a different cousin to that that flower. So um, as we sort of move through this practice, one of the things we like to do is called free association. 
And so with free association, it's just being open to what comes up to us in any given moment um, around an idea. And by doing so, we get out of our sort of logic, if then kind of mindset and really open ourselves up to uh, new possibilities. And so with curiosity, we're going to do five words, free association. Um, Do you want to go first? You want me to go first today? Oh, I'm excited to go first. (laughs) All right, go for it. Cats. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Meow. Caring. Furry. Playful. Warmth. Connecting. Movement. I think one of the reasons I love this game of free association is that it just... I don't know. For me, I think it moves it away from just a word on a piece of paper or on a screen. And just as we were going through that exercise, I can almost, there was a physicality to it that started to kind of take shape. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think this is for 2022. I'm just going to say this now, like, I feel like, and we've already kind of started this a little bit, but how do we embody these practices? Right. So that like gratitude isn't just a list of things that we say every day. It's not just sort of a journal prompt that we write down. But how is it something that we are sort of physically embodying? And so then all of a sudden with that free association, I just was seeing that cat and the furriness and the fluffiness and the warmth. And you could just sort of feel like the cuddling of it. So what is it? Just all of a sudden that curiosity, I was like, ooh, curiosity has a different feeling to it now. Um, through this exercise. So the next thing that we like to do in our podcast is actually hear from the artist and what was actually her inspiration. So Belinda and I kind of riff on our own um, ideas about the word and the plant. Um, But let's go to the source and hear from Arlene and her initial inspiration for the Dogtooth Violet. Here is the story of the curiosity card. Featuring the Dog Tooth Violet. My husband has been studying Chinese for many years now, and back when I made this drawing, he told me a story about the meaning of curiosity in Chinese based on the characters that make up the word Hao, Qi, Xin, where Hao translates to good, Qi translates to strange and wonderful, and Xin translates to heart. This definition, good, strange, and wonderful heart, delighted me in so many ways, especially that the second character translates to strange and wonderful. I am naturally curious, like a cat, and have always felt that curiosity is a foundational attribute needed to live a heart-based life. It has taken me my entire lifetime to fully embrace my own strange and wonderful heart. And isn't this plant a bit strange and wonderful too? This was the other plant in the card deck that was inspired by photos from a friend's garden outside of Tokyo. I think of curiosity as a powerful practice, in part because I have grown to see it as an antidote to fear, which is what inspired the prompt for this card which I'll read right here. 
Try being curious about something that feels uncomfortable to you. How can curiosity shed a light of understanding on something you fear? It's amazing how you can sometimes neutralize a visceral feeling of fear using curiosity. And conquering fears in small steps feels almost like the secret to breaking the spell that prevents us from living the life we truly hope to live. I love that she had the reference to the etymology of curiosity in Chinese. Right? Like so much of our information is biased based on where we're coming from. And so saying, hey, curiosity is Latin or, um, you know, it's referenced in Shakespeare really sort of speaks to sort of our Western sort of dominated frame. And obviously we're speaking in English and we realize like, oh my goodness, each of these things, even when we go to the root words, we realize we're still only looking at these things from a very kind of uh, specific point of view. And all these practices to me are about how do we open and widen our lens. It kind of brings this idea of going to our root, the root it just has a whole other meaning, you know, and, and for me, what was really striking was hearing the delight in Arlene's voice. It, it felt very different than some of the other stories. And I, I felt my own heart opening, you know, as she was feeling excited about the strangeness of, of this word. And, and I remember she asked me, she's like, um, is this correct? You know, Steve, her husband was was telling her about this word. And I was like, yeah, how chi xin is. And I had never thought of the word and broken it down uh, to really think about it. But it is interesting that culturally we're embracing strangeness, you know, <laughs> with this word. And xin, like the, from the heart, it's, it's just beautiful to reconnect in that way with this word. How often do you translate? And for those who may be listening for the first time, I'd love for you to just share a little bit of your journey because English is not your first language. It is not. So I'm originally from Taiwan and Mandarin and Taiwanese were my first languages uh, growing up at home. And and I just love that it, Mandarin feels sometimes like you're singing and and mm. it just makes me just feel more energized when I speak it sometimes. And even to my cats, sometimes when I am trying to discipline them, I'll use Mandarin instead. One, because they're from China. I literally brought them from China. And two, because it just feels different when you're speaking that language. And um, so English was my first language, new language at the age of five. And I definitely had to embrace the curious cat and you know, it was very strange to me, this the this language of English and the grammar and trying to make sense of it all. And now, I mean, how often do you sort of start in English and then stay there versus like wanting to like go back to your roots and sort of think about a word or a phrase or an idiom? Or are there idioms oftentimes you're like, gosh, I wish I could say this in another language because it would make so much more sense. Well, I had to go to Chinese school every Saturday starting from first grade. And so it was, it became those fables started to become 
dreadful for me as a child because we'd have to memorize them and understand like the Confucian, you know, ideology behind it. And so I think there was a little bit of, um, you know, just kind of pushing it away as I was growing up. Um, But now I have a lot of gratitude for it. And, And I mostly, I think now think in English just because my context is in English. But when I go home and visit with my parents or talk to them on the phone, I still resort to Mandarin and and a mix of Taiwanese and it, it to me that feels like home, um, and so that will always be home for me in terms of uh, hearing it and speaking it and um, yeah so it's almost like I have a different container for English and Chinese uh, depending on where I am. Maybe when we uh, move through these episodes going forward, we can actually reference the word or the theme of that week in Mandarin and just sort of see how the English version versus the Mandarin version might shed sort of different insights into the inspiration of these words. Well, that would definitely inspire more conversations with my mother as well. So I'm making sure I represent this uh, appropriately. <laughs> hey, multi-culti, you know, like it, it, it's uh it's more fun when we can look at things from different perspectives. The other piece that Arlene talked about was really about fear. And I feel like that was one of the pieces that I know for me, that's what got me to gratitude to begin with, right? Gratitude wasn't like, oh, I want to feel better because life is all, you know, rosy and easy. Life was a very challenging when I was sort of stumbling around and trying meditation and mindfulness. And ultimately it was like gratitude that shifted something in me that sort of says, okay, I don't want to run around with what I didn't even realize and recognize was fear. You know, because I've had an entrepreneurial background, I've always been willing to sort of like jump in and figure things out. And that sort of blindness to fear in some ways was good, right? Because it enabled me to take those leaps. But I think what I've learned over time is that I have to actually also look at the fear too. And to ignore the fear has its own challenges and perils. And so for me now, and sort of my working definition of gratitude is gratitude makes visible what we value. And fearless gratitude enables us to also see what we take for granted or make invisible. And so then it's that combination of what we want to see, but also what are we ignoring, you know, for whatever reason? And, and how do we actually shed light on that as well? So let's dig into that question that Arlene shared of this plant and this theme. You want to reread the prompt for us? Sure. Card number 11, dog tooth violet, curiosity. Try being curious about something that feels uncomfortable for you. How can you try being curious about something that feels uncomfortable to you? How can curiosity shed a light of understanding on something you fear? So what is uncomfortable for you in 2022? I knew you were going to ask me that. (laughs) And I know that you like to ask me first. So I go first. (laughs) So just acknowledging that. Um. Whatever your narrative is, (laughs) whatever you need your narrative to be, it's all good. Um, 
so, you know, it's interesting because every year, every new beginning of a cycle uh, feels different because change is always constant, right? Omar, you're always talking about that. Yet I always have this attachment to wanting it to be a certain way, which is frustrating. (laughs) And there are some years where I am very clear about the vision for the year. And, and it's just, and it's just very visual and it's very sensory and it's, I have words, I can even draw a picture of it. You know, it's that clear for me sometimes. This year, the only thing that's clear to me is to expect a lot of change. And I can't see what that is. I can't even feel what that is. I just know it in my heart. And it's scary because I, the part of the controlling type A side of me that my parents, you know, conditioned into me wants to have a plan and wants to have these goals and wants to have the strategy and, and wants to feel secure. And I don't have any of those things coming into 2022. Uh, there was a part of me that tried to, you know, start scripting this out. And, and, and I realized that that wasn't true for me that I needed to actually be okay with the fear of the big change that I feel, but can't see. And and so what is, what does security look like and mean to you? Cause I, you know, that sounds like the root of the fear is around security versus insecurity. I think it's the knowing in a tangible way, right? Cause like in this case, I have this sense that there's change and there's going to be a lot and I can't really plan for it. Um, but not being able to really make it tangible is what's hard and and makes me not feel secure because it's like, well, what if it jumps on, on, on me and I'm not prepared? And, you know, you Counts can't Counts as like a prepared. cat, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> a big one, like a tiger. As we're approaching tiger year coming up too. Woo, woo, my year. I'm very excited. Um, yeah, no, it's, I appreciate that balance between feeling something, right? Like the change is coming. And what is it? Where do you need to be within yourself to be open to that change? Right? Because that's really the choice. Like, do we try to like resist it and just focus on what we can control? Or do we open up to those sort of possibilities? And like, how do we then surf change like a wave, right? And so what's your little surfboard um, that helps you ride that wave? What is your surfboard to ride the wave of change? Stillness. Mm -hmm. Because I find my mind wanting to make plans for all the possible scenarios and I have to work a lot harder to anchor in stillness. And you practice stillness in a way that not everyone can who who may know you. So where where are you actually physically located that might help you um, connect to stillness in a different way? Well, I have the honor of living in Mount Shasta, California, which uh, for some folks who follow energy of the earth is known to be the root chakra of the earth so it's the known to be a very grounding place in the world and you live on a 10 acre 
retreat center that you are the steward of. And so you're like really kind of connected to uh, nature in a very different way than me, who I'm living in the city of LA and um, we've got bright lights. You've got a big moon or not a big moon, (laughs) depending on where it is uh, in the cycle. Just to flip the question back uh, to, to me and how I would sort of look at this year and what sort of is comfortable or uncomfortable. So I have a practice and I don't know if you ever noticed, but I wear a thread around my left wrist. Um, I don't have it I now. I haven't noticed that. That's yeah, interesting. So I, for the last two years, I, every, I wear it until it breaks. And I tie the thread with an intention. And it's been fascinating to sort of see that the thread kind of hangs on for about a year, roughly. And the first time I did it, it was with Jack Cornfield, he's a meditation teacher. And I was in a big room with folks and we had these red threads that we all tied. And, and I think my first kind of intention was around healing hearts, healing the planet. And it's then been beautiful to sort of see how that emerged and like just even the collaboration with you and Gratitude Blooming has really been about that. They're not one or the other, like they're one thing, right? Healing of hearts and healing the planet in, in many ways um, are one. And then last year, when once the thread broke and I tied a new one, it was uh, around land, storytelling, and gratitude. And how do I like hold these threads in a different way? And so it was great because my background's in real estate and I'd kind of walked away from that for a couple of years to focus on gratitude. And so it was sort of the year of bringing land back into my life um, and the storytelling and, and the writing that emerged out of all that and the podcast that emerged out of that. And obviously gratitude um, has continued to be core. And so this year, the thread broke like a week or two ago. And so then I've been holding sort of like, okay, well, what is really then the intention for this third thread? And it's really, I would say, an evolution of the first two. And it's bridging nature, gratitude, and Web3. And so, as you know, like I've totally down the rabbit hole of Web3 and NFTs and, and, and crypto. and um, you know, and I think, how do we bridge these things? That's really, I think, what I'm trying to hold space for. Um, and so now I just need to go find a thread because I need to go tie it. But that's really the bridging of, of nature, gratitude, and Web3 is, is what I'm holding space for in 2022. I think when we see each other this weekend, we should make a friendship bracelet because I literally feel like your thread needs to have at least three three strands to weave it together. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like, and that's the other part of it. I've been really um, open to where even the threads come from. Mm. And so I that is also part of it is like, I'm not just trying to find any thread to wrap around my wrist, but like, what is a thread that might hold some meaning? So that, and it's a reminder. I mean, and then this is where it has a practice, right? A, a habit needs three things, a reminder, a routine, and a reward. And so to me, having the thread on my wrist is this constant reminder. And why I like a thread is that way I never have to take it off. Like when I take a shower or anything else, like whenever you wear like 
Like if you have like prayer beads or mala beads or whatever your thing might be, um, guide to blooming cards, right? Like it's hard to take them everywhere, but a thread that you, that you know is meant to actually fall off, then it's not so precious. And I guess maybe that's the other reason why I love it. Then all of a sudden it's just something like, okay, this is something that I'm holding it's as a reminder and it doesn't need to be precious. It's not about it being beautiful. It's just about, okay, this is my intention for this year. And let me constantly be reminded of it. And how do, am I practicing this on a regular basis? I think I'm going to borrow your tradition, Omar. <laughs> now I'm hoarding all these traditions. <laughs> it's going to be a busy year in 2022. <laughs> it's not hoarding. Let's find, let's find a new uh, framing for that, Belinda. Let's think about it as like, what is it that you can show folks uh, these mini practices. Cause I think that's the other thing I've learned and, and, and particularly with all the comments and feedback that came, you know, through LinkedIn and, and uh, that I've on Instagram and is it a lot of folks have put these sort of, I would call them binary categories. Like this is meditation. This is mindfulness. This is meditation. And for me, like I'm omnivorous, like I will eat whatever works. Um, and, and so I think, it's less about uh, hoarding as it is about holding space for these mini paths. Mm. Yeah. Holding space feels like a nice way to imagine that for yourself and for the collective. So part of what we then do um, is Belinda and I have been hosting gratitude circles together for over a year and a half or so um, plus or minus and these really have just been about how do we create simple spaces for people to open up to the possibilities through the 39 cards in the Gratitude Blooming deck. And whether it's the, the art or the flowers and the nature or the prompts, each of these things are just different ways for us to kind of connect to this moment and what we're feeling and to, as we like to say, notice and name them. And when we notice and name them, we're really able to then, I think, kind of acknowledge what is and sort of be more present. Uh, and so these gratitude circles um, have been amazing. And we've taken some clips from a circle that curiosity came up as a card. And we think we have two today. When I see this card compared to the celebratory card we have, it makes me think on um, your perceptive or your perception of events or what's going on. And if you can change your perspective of how something is occurring in your life, whether you can be curious about it or celebratory about it, changes your reaction path. And I like the word curiosity, helping you get you through your uncomfortable events. So one of the things we like to do is then just a practice of resonance, which which words from these clips resonate with us as a noticing and naming practice. Perspective. Celebrate. Celebratory. Framing perspective. I like that. I like it that framing of the curiosity kind of giving you a bit of bravery. Like, <laughs> you know, instead of having that reaction of, 
worry or just, oh no, kind of being, well, let me be curious about it and not letting the um, worry or fear get in there. I don't do that. So this is a good card for me <laughs> to kind of think about that, that possibility of, I like that, shedding a light of understanding on something you fear by being curious about it. Like learning, that's a great idea. <laughs> Bravery. I don't do that. I like it. Shedding. So as we listen to these practices, you know, and whether it's just the noticing of the illustrations or listening to the stories, the prompt, it reminded me of I went on a hike with my family on both the New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And we came across this bench at the uh, park and it said, do not let the behavior of others destroy your inner peace. And I really sort of feel like curiosity is one of those ways that we don't let the perceptions of others destroy our own sort of willingness to discover and be open to different ways of being in the world. Are we ready for our practice as we close this theme of curiosity? What do you have for us? So this practice is asking a curious question. So this is inspired by our gratitude circles where sometimes we deepen into our inquiry with asking an honest and open question. So the first part is I invite you to connect with a fear. And you could even imagine that fear taking the form of a flower or an animal just to make it more real to you, but not too scary. What is the fear that you're feeling right now as we start this new year? Just let it take that form. And as you look at it in the form of a plant or an animal or something else, just to make it tangible, I invite you to ask this fear an honest and open, curious question. Something that you don't have the answer to, but you like to stay curious about. So for me, I'm seeing my fear of uncertainty and my vision not being clear in the form of a cat, a big puffy cat. And I'm going to ask this cat, how would you like to dance in this moment with that uncertainty?
Omar, I'm curious for you, what are you visualizing right now? And what's the question that's emerging for you? Well, the question that was emerging is like, how do I make money? <laughs> I, I know how to make money in an old way, right? A job and creating things. But I feel like, and this is a word that you've given to me, which is sacred economics, right? So maybe it's really how do we, what is that new economy model that really integrates uh who we are with what we want to see in the world, right? There's a, the GDP, the sort of the classic. And then I think it was like Bhutan that had the gross national happiness index or something like that. And so that's really what I'm, the question that I'm holding is how to sort of create things in a new economy. And so I was looking at the dog tooth violet as I asked this question. And what came back to me was money makes itself, which in some ways is perfect for crypto because you were literally making up money. <laughs> and so I think that's what's sort of fascinating is how we break out of sort of these old paradigms that we've lived in and open ourselves up to new ones that hold the values right? Where our own mental health, self-care, our connection to our planet, and with how our livelihood, right? How all these things are not separate, but uh, together. I'm so glad I asked you. I was, um, well, I was imagining my overweight cat, you know, moving and being joyful as it's navigating uncertainty. I, I love that you had this dog tooth violet and this big question and that you honestly don't know, right? Oh, like. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's an adventure. <laughs> well, thank you, Belinda, for these weekly practices. What was the, I didn't catch the name of this weekly practice. Ask a curious question. All right. So yes, ask a curious question um, and ask it, like embody it, right? Like not just sort of in a theoretical, like this, what I loved about this practice is that like, who are you speaking this to or what are you speaking this to? And, uh, we appreciate uh, you who are listening. Um, we're going to be continuing to experiment in 2022. You can already hear change is coming. And so how do we sort of open ourselves up to it? Um, we've created a super early beta version of a Discord channel. Last year, we experimented with a gratitude hotline. You can also old school email us. Everything is uh, in the links below. Um, but is most important to us is that we're doing this together right this isn't about sort of belinda and i and and sort of the classic sort of model was that and this i forgot who said it but the next guru will be a sangha and a sangha means community and so this isn't about sort of i think this is part of the new model and the new economy is that it's not just about one person, but how do we sort of come together and share resources uh, and build the world we want to live in together? Cheers to that. <laughs> so till next week, cheers. Cheers.